Morning Liberty. Well, what's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. I am the co-host. My guest today is Torben Halby. He's from Germany, studied biology, chemistry, neuroscience, and philosophy at the Federal Institute of Technology in Switzerland. Had his first book published in 2017, another in 2020 called Freedom Without Free Will. We're here today to talk about his newest piece in The Daily Caller, talking about how Gavin Newsom speaks on behalf of Mother Nature when he is pushing his climate agenda. Torben is a Young Voices contributor, and he is talking to us today from Germany. Torben, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. We are really glad that you could join us. Uh, so I was reading your piece in The Daily Caller, uh, talking about Newsom speaking on behalf of Mother Nature uh, to try and ram through the climate agenda. And for everyone who's listening, I just wanted to give them a little bit of background information, if you don't mind, with a couple quotes from the article so they, so they know what we're talking about. So Newsom was blaming California's recent drought on Mother Nature's fury. You also had some other quotes in here from uh, Karen Ross in 2021, California Department of Food and Agriculture, uh, Mother Nature and Climate Change, have brought us the situation we have. And then you also had uh, from The Atlantic, uh, they said Mother Nature is entering a dissenting opinion on the Supreme Court decision uh, with the EPA that weakened the federal government's ability to combat climate change. So I wanted to start with a couple very important questions for you. When the weather is good, does that mean that we've done something to make Mother Nature happy? Is, is that what that means? And also, do you know of any government procedures or specific rain dances that I should be learning in my spare time to try and get the right amount of weather. <laughs> well, you know, if it was just one quote uh, by Governor, Governor Newsom, um, you know, it would be a metaphor, meta meta metaphorical speaking. So, you know, people use metaphors and I wouldn't mind if it happened just once, but this uh, particular wording seems to well take hold in the in the rhetorics uh, of uh, green politicians and um it's really childish you know it's, it's kind of pagan it's if they have the science they should show the science instead um this is some sort of voodoo i guess um as you say of course there is no dance that you can do to appease mother nature and also if the weather is good no uh i think they will say that mother nature is still angry uh, and you know just waiting to get very angry again uh, because they don't want to do rain dances they want to do authoritarian authoritarian politics essentially they want to uh, be involved in the economy, be involved in everyday life and uh, regulate everything um, in order to well, do what they say would tackle climate change because it's still about climate change in the end. It's not about Mother Nature. Uh, before we dig into more of this, I guess it would be good to know where you come down on the, on the climate change idea because when people hear People talking about it, you can be what some would call climate deniers. That's a thing uh, that we have now. Or you could be a climate alarmist. Uh, so if you could give everyone 
I guess a little bit of where you come down and, and it would be helpful, I guess, if we know some of your background as well. Some people might be wondering, uh, you know, just where you're from and what you work on. Um, well, I'm a biologist. At least I studied that, um, but not so much the ecological side of it, more the hard science side of it, you know, very chemical. And in the end, I was specialized on neuroscience, actually. Um, but my days of actually doing science are long gone. By now, I'm a political activist for, well, libertarianism, you could say, in Germany. At the very least, classical liberal. You know, I'm not that much of an ideologist, so I, uh, I'm pragmatic in that regard. But still, that's what I do now. Um, as for climate change, well, yes, I think it's getting warmer. Uh, hard to deny that. On average, uh, it's getting warmer. But um, there's no reason to derive all those policies and all those reductions of freedom and all those all the wasting of tax money from from it getting warmer because i believe free people and uh, a healthy economy are the, are best suited to tackle any challenge that the world could throw at us and so if it's getting warmer, if there's more, if there are more broads and so on, well, you need free people, you need money, then people will be able to deal with it. Uh, in the past, when you didn't have global trade, if there was a drought or flooding or something like that, your, your entire harvest was gone, was gone, like a few hundred years ago, and then you would just starve. But with global trade, well, probably you will just get some some wheat from Australia or something like that. And no one will starve, you know, and in that sense, it's really weird that in reaction to uh, global warming, people will try to reduce our freedom and our economic ability, even though these things are the best we have to tackle climate change or at least the, the effects of climate change. Yeah, I feel like I come down in pretty much the exact same place on that I I try to take it as seriously as I think I should. I do think that things are getting warmer. I think it makes sense if you put a bunch of stuff in the atmosphere that could change uh, over a long period of time, the climate. The, however, there seems to be a lot of alarmism. You know, 10 years from now, we're all going to be dead or we're going to be underwater. Uh, every time there's bad weather then that's because of climate change. You know, we just had a big hurricane come through Florida. That was because of climate change. It's not that we've ever had a hurricane uh, before in, the, in yeah. the United States. And then you mentioned these droughts in, in California, and it seems like there have been several droughts in California before we were dealing with our effects from greenhouse gases, right? Yes, exactly. And, uh, I kind of like that quote because I took it from actually a quite alarmist article <laughs> where they were saying that, well, crowds have become more common in recent years. Yeah, maybe, but well, they have existed before. And it's, um, it's, un it's kind of, you know, it's not good science. The science probably says, uh, or at least some scientists will say that, yes, such crowds are more likely now. Um, but this does not justify uh, 
blaming every drought on climate change. Uh, some scientists actually noticed that and tried to, you know, uh, calculate a contribution score. You know, for every given natural disaster, they will calculate the contribution score of how much of it was due to climate change and how much is well natural, which is a better approach. But um, in my opinion, even if the science was really good and if people were not alarmist, there is no justification in the world for uh, destroying the liberty of us. Uh, however good the science is, is, liberty is always more important than science. Um, I can... Um, all these emergency, all this talk of emergency and all those laws to deal with emergency, uh, they might be justified. I don't know if there was a military invasion going on. Then maybe, yes, there's no time to let liberty run its course. But all of this global warming, thats we are still talking about, de about decades. There's enough time for liberty, for free people adapting whatever, to whatever happens. And there's no need to call it an, call it an emergency. Yeah, I, I really couldn't agree more on that. I mean, we talk about... Really, we only we will we'll go all the way down the same. We only know one thing on this show, and that's that human beings own themselves. We we are individuals and we have individual liberty and whatever arguments you can make uh, for this emergency or that emergency. Uh, like you said, that liberty is more important than that. And uh, like I said, I couldn't agree more on that. And then on the flip side. You know, if if people are really serious about solving these problems, they seem to be doing the exact opposite things that you would need to do to truly solve the problems. And that leads me to the idea that they actually don't care about this as a problem. They're just using it as an excuse to get more power. Do you think the people out there, say, using Mother Nature or all the other alarmists out there, you think they're serious about they really think that we're going to die in 20 years or do they just have an anti-capitalist, anti-free market, uh, more power for themselves type agenda? Oh, well, I think that it depends. Um, there are some alarmists who actually think we will die in 20 years. That would be the Extinction Rebellion guys or someone like that. Um, and those are like on the activist side of the spectrum when it comes to politicians well they are not activists and they normally uh don't think we will die in 20 years and they also don't act like that not they would instead do something like you know say that we should be carbon neutral in 2050 mm. but so, so in that sense, it depends. And uh, these people have different incentives. The activists, I think many of them really believe in it. Uh, they are effectively delusional. And of course, it's very motivating if you actually think that if you don't act now, uh, you know, we will die in 20 years. And then you also don't have to get your own life in order or anything like that because you have that big important issue the whole world is at stake and uh, it's a very nice distraction from your own problems but for politicians their incentives are more complex i think um, there are a lot of interest groups they have to 
account for, including those activists or other NGOs uh, and voters and looking good in the media. Um, and I think that's more of what motivates them. They know that it will good. It will sorry. It will get them good press, good news if they do such things. Uh, if they make such regulations, uh, that's why they go for it. But still, I think what they also believe in is in the power of regu of regulation. They believe that governments can solve and do everything. You know that governments are essentially like some sort of god. Um, I think that's what they really believe. Yeah, total, totally agree with that. They, I, I think a lot of them really do believe that they can control the not just the economy, but apparently the climate of the entire planet. I can't imagine being so confident in my abilities uh, that I think I would be able to change the climate of the entire planet. Um, so I don't know if we mentioned yet on the show, but you're talking to us from Germany and I've read a lot about some of the climate policy that's been happening in Germany. We talk a lot about nuclear power on this podcast, and I've seen concerning things concerning uh, about nuclear in Germany. What has that looked like over the past few years? Yeah, well, Germany was the only country in the world uh, where the government decided to leave coal energy and nuclear energy at the same time. Uh, for coal energy, it was the whole carbon emission thing, of course, as in other countries. And for nuclear energy, well, it's not carbon because it doesn't emit carbon. Instead, it was just fear, you know, um, because of Fukushima, mostly. Um, there have always been elements in German society which are very strong as the Green Party, which is no part of the government. Um, they were against nuclear power from the beginning, but it was not this government that actually, well, basically outlawed nuclear energy and set us on the path of turning off all the plants. Instead, that was the last Merkel government. Uh, because that was when Fukushima happened and the Green Party was not even in the government back then. So uh, it's, you know, you can't just, it's easy to always blame everything on the Greens when in fact other politicians also do these mistakes. They cater to fear, they cater to a lack of scientific understanding of nuclear power, uh, just so that they will get ahead in the polls. Uh, you know, get more votes. And um, of course, the combination, sorry, <clears throat> the combination of leaving both coal and nuclear energy is devastating. Uh, because what Germany did instead was to rely on Putin. They relied on natural gas to, well, replace both coal and nuclear energy. Because natural gas, when it comes to emitting carbon, it's more efficient than coal. So you will emit less carbon per joule. Of energy which well is correct you know that's scientific but the issue with the natural gas is that you would get it from putin and uh, we all know where that led us um and now they have to scramble to replace the natural gas with uh, gas from qatar for example which also is not a very nice and freedom loving country uh yeah it's all kind of <laughs> it bad. sounds it sounds pretty messed up I would say, um, 
Yeah, I've been reading a lot about that. And if you don't mind me asking, what have you seen like prices do over over the last year or so? Has it gone up a lot, the, the expenses for energy? Yes. Um, well, Germany, even before that, had very high expenses, uh, had a very high price for energy, mostly because of taxes and because of this, this, these policies, of course. Um, and um but as everywhere that that has increased a lot uh, some, some companies are starting to leave germany because of it uh, some big companies even i recently read that uh basf you know it's a huge chemistry company very old uh, they are well not completely leaving but they I, they look they, they seem to move a large part of the production to china or something you know it's all uh it's a mess and um yeah everything is getting more expensive the government uh just uh, decided to hand out some subsidies and also they will try to limit the prices you know uh, they will set an upper limit which I mean, I'm not an economist, but I don't think that has ever worked. Uh, no, I uh, saw that you uh, quoted Thomas Sowell in the article that I read, and uh, Thomas Sowell would not agree with uh, with that policy uh, whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it. I I really hope that they get things figured out. Uh, what do you think would need to happen to uh, get on the right track? Is it putting the right people? in power is it changing the society because those are the ones who were voting like how do we you know everyone's scared of nuclear everyone's scared of climate change um it, and so now we're just you know the people are even supporting a lot of these bad ideas and they're seeing the effects from it and luckily for the government right now they can blame it all on putin uh, for for the moment yeah. and the there's definitely blame to to be put on on Putin for this for this, but I I think that that's a a convenient boogeyman right right now for them to blame it on. But it really goes back further than February of 2022 that these problems started. Absolutely, and I think while Putin certainly plays a role, it's very well. It's coward to blame it on him and it's also damaging because you're basically making free propaganda for Russia if you do that because in the in the eyes of your own population you will make Putin and Russia seem stronger than they are you know and people will think uh, well if if we only made peace with Putin which would basically mean to sacrifice Ukraine then we would again have cheap gas which uh, you know we would have cheap energy which is not right because the policies in the West are the larger part of the problem and they will not change with uh, Putin uh, appeased. Um, still, I think you're asking a good question there because as libertarians, we like to blame politicians and, and the governments, but we have to look at the people more. We have to really change how people think not just about nuclear energy, but also about governments. People also seem to think, what I just mentioned, some politicians seem to think that uh, the state can solve everything. 
that the state is all powerful. Uh, and that's why they keep believing such promises. Uh, and that's why they keep voting such politicians into, into, uh, into office. Um, and this is something we need to change. We need this cultural shift uh, in order to make, to make people more confident in them solving their own problems, first of all, to make them less afraid because they are afraid of nuclear energy, they are afraid of gene technology, for example, another issue in Europe. Uh, so, yeah, I think we really have to deal with the people. Yeah, I I agree. Well, so if we could try and uh, pinpoint a solution here, well, how did you come to the ideas that, that you have? Are these ideas that you've always had, or did you watch a clever YouTube video sometime and and turn to liberty extremism because you found something, or you know, how, uh, where where did you get these ideas and this philosophy? Well. Actually, I guess I've always been somewhat of an individualist, but in the end, what made me as I am now politically was my neuroscience. I started to think about the human brain, I started to think about how people can be free, and as a neuroscientist, I don't believe in a magical free will which just makes us free, which leaves a lot of responsibility to the environment. I think we need an environment which is furthering our freedom instead of oppressing it, if we want to be free. There's no magical free will which will just save us from lack of freedom. You know, we have to create a, a working economic and political environment um, in, order to be, in order to be free. And... Uh, I expressed those thoughts, those thoughts in a book, uh, in German, of course. So, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I, I won't make it very and, far. I won't make it very far in the book. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. But uh, well, then I started to promote my ideas from this book on Twitter in Germany, and then people told me that I'm essentially libertarian. You know, and then I looked it up and was like, yeah, seems to be, seems to be the case. Uh, yeah. Well, um, are there a lot of active, is libertarianism active over there? Uh, you know, big group of libertarians in Germany? Um, well, Germany is not a, a very classical liberal country. Uh, we are gaining some momentum right now, for example, because we have a well, nominally classical liberal party, which is the FDP, but they are part of a co coalition government now, which is largely leftist, so they really can't do much freedom stuff, which of course disgruntles their, their, their voters. Um, so that's kind of a chance for us. Um, but still, we have uh, some hard years ahead in order to make Germany, Germany more free. It all goes back to Bismarck, you know, the Prussian guy. He basically killed freedom in Germany because he uh, 
back in 1870 or something, people were starting to organize themselves. You know, the workers were getting their own insurances set up, stuff like that. But then Bismarck said, you know, if we give them state insurance and state pensions, stuff like that, they will always be dependent on the state and they will never rebel against the king. You know, and that's what he did, uh, the emperor, sorry. That's what he did and it worked out far too well and we are still trying to, well, get rid of the fallout of that. I've got a, I've got a really random question for you and, the, and it's okay, whatever you say, I will not be offended by it. I've always, I, I wonder, and I've asked other people this before, but I wonder what the view uh, from other countries of the U.S. government is from those other countries? Is it uh, maybe there just isn't one? And uh, and that's more like me thinking that, you know, our government would be on the top of everyone's minds every day, no matter where they are in the, in the world. But what do you what do you think the overall view is when people think about the United States? Is it uh, a free place? Is it a uh, imperialist? Uh, what? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, um, it, it, it really depends. For me as a, as a libertarian, the U.S. is still one of the freest places in the world, uh, despite everything, even though, of course, I'm very worried about, sorry, worried about the whole woke stuff and all of that going on. Um, as for most Germans, well, the German media are quite leftist. You would say liberal in the United States for what they are. You know, in the, in the United States, you basically have two big blocks of media. You have the conservative and the liberal media. In Germany, it's mostly as if we just had the liberal media. There are a few exceptions, but um, this will, of course, shape what people think of the United States. The, the German media were obsessed with hating Trump, like <laughs> really, really obsessed. And for the same reason, they kind of seem to like Biden and they are more nice to him than his whole, I don't know, old age related problems <laughs> should make them be. It's yeah, so um, dementia, that's what we, um, what we call it. <laughs> dementia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, still, another interesting thing is, for the imperialism, Germans tended to dislike Americans, uh, especially because of, I don't know, the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, all of that, and kind of saw them as imperialist. But since Russia attacked Ukraine, that has kind of changed, and people, more people are starting to see the United States as a protector. Interesting. That's very interesting. I, I mean, I, I would agree with probably with what the thoughts were about the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war. And, the, and um, I, I'm sure I would agree with, with a lot of it as a libertarian um, when it comes to them hating Trump so much. Hey, I didn't, I had two chances to vote for Trump. I didn't vote for him either time, uh, but I also didn't hate him as much as the, the leftists did. I do remember a time where he said it was a bad idea for Germany to rely on Russia for natural gas. I, I think that was a thing. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. Maybe that's why they didn't. Uh, maybe that's why they didn't like him too much. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, they, they laughed. They laughed at him. Uh, yeah, it's they a nice did. Video. <laughs> <In> hindsight. 
I guess uh, who's who's laughing now. Uh, hopefully, no one's laughing about the about the current situation. But um, you know, I want to I want to make sure everyone knows where they can go to follow you and everything that you're doing. Um, I'm, I'll be mentioning that, you know, you're a young voices contributor and I know you've got a page on there, but then social media that you use also. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, I'm on Twitter, so I'm on Twitter with my name, just Tom Halber. Um, and I also recently joined a libertarian think tank in Berlin, which is called Ego Institute. All right, cool. I'll make sure I put that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll make All sure right. I put that in the links for everyone. Well, uh, any other uh, uh, parting thoughts? I want to take. I don't want to take any more of your time. This has been a really good, uh, interesting conversation. Um, is there anything else that uh, you know we didn't add about the about the piece or thoughts on climate change? No, I think I think we'll be fine. I'm um, actually. I'm just in the process of writing another article, which is about the whole carbon neutrality thing. So stay tuned. Okay. We kind of already talked about some aspects of that today. Great, great. I'll be uh, I'll be looking for it when it comes out. Maybe you can uh, email it over and we'll discuss it, discuss it on the show. Torben, thank you so much for your time today. And I hope you have a great rest of your day and I hope we can talk again soon. Yeah, sure. Thank you for, for having me and also have a nice day.